Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. In this message, Pastor Andy goes back to the basics of what worship and praise both look like practically. Enjoy the message. In Christ, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And how many of you have been to the principal's office? Anybody ever went to the principal's office growing up? I went to the principal's office too. I went when I was in first grade. I had this, I had this awesome idea. Like there was this girl I kind of liked in first grade. And I figured I, I, my best friend Kyle at the time said, hey, how about we get in a fight in recess and I win and she'll think I'm like this hero. And so we went to recess. We kind of pushed each other. He hit me. It kind of hurts. So I hit him harder. And it turned into a real fight. Like we started rolling on the ground. He pulled my hair. I pulled his hair. Uh, I know it's kind of a wimpy way to do it. But, but anyway, we ended up in the principal's office. This girl named Tori, she didn't even notice it. And we lost days and days of recess. And they said they were going to call my parents, which that's what, what really freaked me out. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be grounded forever. But I went home and my parents never like, they never said anything about it. And so days went by, weeks went by, even months went by years went by, and they didn't say anything about it. But all through that time, I, I felt like, yes, I'm off the hook, but something happened. I, I, this condemnation just kind of crept in, like this, this, this part of my heart where it's like, man, I feel so guilty. I feel so guilty. And as the days and weeks went by, I felt like this divide between me and my parents, and I felt ultimately this big divide between God and I. I felt like God was really angry at me. And so finally, in third grade, at dinner, I busted out in tears. I said, Mom and Dad, I have something to tell you. Like, I got sent to the principal's office. And like, Oh, when? In first grade. <laughs> and then you looked at me and they're like, yeah, we knew. I was like, what do you mean you knew? You didn't say anything? But the thing is this, is that our God knows our life in totality. And this morning, I believe uh, that there are people that are walking in this church this morning and you're feeling condemned and you're feeling so separate from God. And I want you to know if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, there is, the Bible says, in fact, let's put this up here. Romans chapter eight, verse one. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus The law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. That separation is no longer there. And here's here's a great reality. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus, you're given the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 16, it says, but wherever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And that whole idea of that veil, like in the Old Testament temple, the veil separated the common people from uh, from the presence of God. And the only people that can go in the presence of God were the priests. But when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished, the veil was torn, and he gave us this access that we can worship Jesus, complete abandon and complete access. Like we have freedom. And that's what we wanna talk about this morning. And this is the main idea as we begin to unpack things is that everything rises and falls on the object of our worship. God has made us a people of praise and a people of worship. We will praise something. We will, we will give accolades to something. But the question is this morning, are we giving our highest and greatest praise to the one who deserves our praise, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so let's dive right in, and um, let's talk about removing hindering attitudes in worship. I mean, God, God desires that we as his people ad- adopt a style of worship. What, what, makes, what makes it to where we just hit a wall? What makes it that we have a, hind- you know, we're, we're hitting a hindrance, we're having a, there's a hindering attitude, there's a hindering aspects that are causing us from going all out in our praise. And for me, I grew up in a, in a church where not a lot of people were expressive, and, um, and there was really a movement, I believe, when I was growing up, it was a reaction to maybe people that were thinking that being expressive is the end all. Actually, being expressive is part of the journey. The end all is, is being at the throne in the feet of Jesus, right? I have found that when pride has welled up in my heart, it's actually made me restrained more than it has not restrained. Because back when, when I wouldn't ever show any expression, I was like, ah, that, I, I, I joined the praise police. I'm like, oh, that person's probably just trying to get attention. Oh, so is that person, right? I'm like, I'm, 
And, 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 you know, the thing is, is that you could be seeking attention two different ways. You could be seeking attention by putting yourself out there, or you could be seeking attention by not putting yourself out there. That, that's a hard issue. It's not necessarily what's going on on the outside, what's going on on the inside. And for me, I joined the praise police as an excuse of I'm better than that, right? But then I started singing songs when I got into college, and, and it talked about raising hands and just different expressions. And I would sing it, but I never do it. And I was looking around the room, and most people were being expressive. And I had to ask myself, like, why? The song's saying, you know, as we lift our hands, I'm like, I, I, I'm never going to do that. Like, but I'm singing that. And I had this kind of war in my mind to finally I realized, like, why, why am I not doing that? What's the disconnect? I'm like, well, I'm dignified, you know? And, but I realized in my praise and worship, I need to be willing, just as David, um, just as David in the Old Testament, that I need to be willing to put my dignity on the line. And I remember that point. It's like, okay, fine, I'm going to raise my hands. And I was so scared that other people were looking at me. But the thing is, looking back, nobody was looking at me. Nobody. The only person that noticed was me. You know, my, my, my dignity noticed it. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I felt just so betrayal to myself, not to anybody else, but to myself. And, and so it was in that moment I realized, like, wow, I'm, I'm more concerned about how I'm carrying myself than I am about the object of my worship in that moment. Let's, let's talk about something that's a little bit related to this, and that is, okay, so pride is, I, I believe, is probably the biggest hindrance, Right? I think another hindrance to, to praise perhaps could be is what we bring to the table, our presuppositions. So maybe it's our view of God or our view of church. And so um, some people, they may come from a celebrative background and like, oh, this is awesome. And it's just kind of par for the course. And, uh, but some people, including myself, we, I've kind of, I didn't come from that background. And I, I would come more from the line of we want to be contemplative. It needs to be quiet. It needs to be reverent. Okay. Contemplation is important. We want to make space to contemplate. Like there's nothing louder than just silent. And, just, and then you start waiting and just praying. I'm like, oh, this is really, like when you're praying and nobody starts to perk up and pray or whatever, and it's just silent, it's so awkward. But, um, but we, I believe there's, there's moments on, in our service, but even throughout our week that we need to be contemplating. We need to be thinking like scripture. What, what is the scripture saying to me now? What is, what, is God, what, is, what is God doing in my life? And I believe praise is most powerful when the contemplation wells up in praise. Because contemplation is not praise. Praise exhibits verbal adoration and emotional movement. That's what praise is. And so you can contemplate, but if you're always contemplating and not making room for praise, I, man, can I say, scripture tells us to praise, so we're being disobedient. You know what I mean? Isn't that crazy? And so that sounds like a pretty radical statement, but the Bible tells us to praise, and praise is different than contemplation. So I think there's, there needs to be room for contemplation, but sometimes we use that as an excuse not to praise. I remember just just doing a word study on, on reverence, and I, it just kind of it, it wrecked me, the whole idea of it. I realized the idea of what reverence has come in, in Western, in United States Christianity is completely far removed from what we see in the Bible. So it was in Luke 22, verse 43. It says, then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him, and being in anguish, he, that is Jesus, prayed more fervently, and, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling to the ground. And so what Jesus was doing, he said, hey, disciples, I want you to go and pray so you don't fall into temptation. And he began to ponder, this is what it's going about to happen. I'm going to go to the cross. God, the Father, is going to crush me with all of our sins, past, present, and future of all humanity in that one moment. He was realizing the crushing aspect of what sin was going to do upon him. In fact, Isaiah prophesied that he's going to be crushed for our iniquities. He's gonna be crushed for our sins. And this was, he was on the eve of this moment and he was like, oh my goodness, this isn't a light thing. This is gonna be huge. And he actually asked God the Father, Jesus. He said, 
is there any other way? And when he realized the answer was no, he said, not my will, but your will be done. And he began to, and as Hebrews alluded to, he began to he cry out with anguish and loud cries. And all the while this was happening, the disciples fell asleep, right? And so let's just picture this for a moment. Jesus is in our service and he's exhibiting loud cries. He's on the ground. He's like, he's all sweaty. I'd be, as a pastor, I'm just going to be completely honest here. I'd be like, oh my goodness, what is going on over there? Like, that's kind of a disruption. You're right. It is a disruption. He's being reverent in what he's understanding what's about ready to happen. And so sometimes we, we, I think in our definition of reverence, we might actually apply it to the disciples. Like, oh, they're taking a holy nap over there. No, Jesus wasn't happy about that, right? That, that's not reverence. What we see reverence was is that God was actually understanding Jesus, was actually understanding what was happening, and he was responding heartfelt through that. The Bible commends his reverence, and really that's the idea of reverence. So, All right, so let's, let's actually talk about, let's get really practical here. Having expression in a church should not be rocket science in a sense for us in culture because we celebrate in different contexts. We are people that celebrate in, in the right context. And so for some of us, it seems odd, like we are clapping or celebrating in church. But again, when we realize who the object of our worship is, uh, celebration makes sense. And so um, let's just go through some of the biblical uh, expressions of worship that we see. So one, one of the things that's just kind of obvious that we do hear a lot is we do a lot of singing. Singing isn't like a creation of, of man or like sometimes like, oh, we shouldn't sound like the world. Like, no, God created music and the world's taken it different directions. And the church, it's our job to reclaim it, right? There's no like wrong style or there's no wrong, you know, way to express music because it's God's to begin with. And we as a church, we need to be on the forefront and expressing it. In fact, this is what I love. Let's go ahead and put this verse up here. It's Psalm 102.5. It says, sing to him, sing praise to him. And the thing I, the thing I think is really key here. This is in the form of a, of a command. So like he desires that we sing. He, doesn't, he, he wants us to sing to him. Why? Because singing expresses something that words could never have. Told in the book of Zephaniah, one of my favorite obscure verses is that God sings over us. Singing is a, is, is a creation from God that expresses things that only when it's done, it activates something in our spirit that nothing else can. When we sing, let's just talk about why we stand. Because I knew growing up, I'm like, I would always have, I put a little check mark in my bulletin. All right, we stood up a third time. We stood up a fourth time. Why do we stand? Whenever we have a wedding and the bride comes in, you know, the whole congregation stands. Or if someone, if a dignitary came in, we would stand and we would applaud. And, you know, I, w w this is King Jesus we're talking about. And so, like, I, whenever I stand and I realize it from this aspect, I realize he's in control, he's king, I'm not. So it's, it's, it's a positional thing as well, too. Let's move on to a couple, of maybe some more of the emotive uh, things that we see in Scripture. We, clapping, kneeling, dancing, raising hands. Let's, let's, um, let me just say something about raising hands. In fact, let's put this verse up here. It's in Psalm 28, too. It says, hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift my hand toward your most holy place. Um, raising of hands, I, universal, whether it's whether we've been in Africa, Europe, Russia, um, uh, the Middle East, wherever I've been in the church, I, that's how people respond in worship. And what I found myself, especially in context where I didn't know any of the words being sung because it was in a different language, I was able to worship knowing that people from another country, another context were worshiping Jesus and raising their hands. And it was the only way I could participate with them. It was, but it's, it's a universal symbol of just God. We are so desperate and we're so dependent upon you. But let's talk about some other things like clapping hands, kneeling and dancing. Like Psalm 47, 1, it says, clap your hands, all your people, shout to God with a jubilant cry. And what, what, what makes this verse really interesting is like, this isn't a golf clap, like, guys, Easter's coming, 
Um, and anyway, he rose from the dead. We checked the grave. It's empty. All right. Uh, enjoy your Easter brunch. Okay, it's, it's not like that at all. What we see here is clap your hands, all you people. That means all of us. It's a, it's a, it's a thunderous clap, and it's, a, and it's an accompanied with a shout to God. So like when you're at a game or you're at a concert and you're clapping, that's not the only thing that's happening. You're like, yeah! Woo! You know, there's just a shout of praise to God that's going on there. In Psalm 96, it says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all you earth. In fact, in Revelation, it says that the songs that we'll be singing will be new. Yeah, I think it's really important that you're not going to be looking to a person to say, oh, I got to worship that way. Um, it, it needs to be heartfelt. It needs to be, you need to, the, the key is we have a lot of commands that are then uh, followed by a particular expression of praise in the Bible. The key is, is that we're praising. How that looks, it, it, someone may be expressing something differently in a different way, and you're like, oh, I'm not doing it that way, and I know he's super spiritual. Eh, wrong. We do not want to be the church of the have, the have-nots. This isn't the super spiritual, the not super spiritual, or the praise people and the non-praise people. We are people of praise, and it's going to look different. With the spirit of the Lord is there's freedom, and I can't just think of any way to squelch freedom as saying, okay, you need to do all this stuff now. I'm like, man, that seems like law. You could really turn freedom into just slavery. It, everything rises and falls on the object of our worship. And I want to speak specifically to those uh, that today you're coming in and you don't know if Jesus Christ is your Savior. You, you've never personally placed your faith and trust in Him. Here's the deal. You cannot worship if you don't know the object who you're worshiping. And so uh, today we want to invite you to give your life to Jesus. You see, we all come uh, into this world in need of a Savior. God created us to have a relationship with him. God, But the problem is, is that we've done our own thing. We've sinned. We've done wrong. Uh, our past, present, future... Uh, holds us and makes us separated from the perfection of, of Jesus. And so today we believe that your worship will begin by placing your faith and trust in Jesus. So if you are far from God today, you can be brought near to him. It's not about your past. It's not about what's going on in your present. Jesus wants to receive you as you are right now. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.